You know, guys, this is one of those days where uh, we can get real nostalgic or we can just push ahead. And I choose to uh, do both for just a moment. Before I introduce David, let me tell you a couple things that are uh, I, I'm just excited about. We are just about to kick off our fall communication, uh, our, our fall communication, community groups. Uh, you should have received a handout when you came in. Uh, we have a group now on every day of the week except for Sunday and Friday. So there's now a Saturday morning group to be involved in. And I just want to encourage you guys to take time, pray about which group you want to be involved in because that's where it really happens. You know, Sunday mornings are not not enough. Can I get an amen? No, oh, maybe you think it is. I don't think it is. Like, I'm not that good. All right, God is good, but he calls us to come together and walk in community and fellowship with each other. So take some time and uh, fill out one of those and plan now to engage in community groups this fall. You know, today um, we, we debated on when to celebrate our anniversary. We actually began on September 14th of 2008. How many remember September 14th of 2008? Do you remember anything about that time of life? Like, you know, economic crisis begins that weekend, and uh, Charlotte was out of gasoline because a hurricane hit Louisiana, and who knew that all of our gasoline came from Louisiana? And ridiculous stuff. What a great time to start a church called Hope, right? And uh, we did over in the movie theater. But the things that maybe you're not aware of is that long before we started Hope, God reached down into Florida and took a stranger to my life and put him in my life to become a brother uh, that I always ask God why I didn't know him sooner. And David Dukeson was a young fellow, young fellow, young man that was leading a ministry in Florida that when I first talked to him, I thought he was the most arrogant guy I'd ever talked to on the phone. Uh, and he was, sure, he was sure of himself, yeah. And I'm like, he just won't go away. And uh, finally, he didn't stop going away, and God brought him here. And let me just say this. David helped us start Hope, or Hope would not even exist right now. I'm telling you, the leadership he helped provide in those early days, some of y'all don't know a lot of the stories. You're new. There was a period in our first year, and David, you remember well, I was not here for a month and a half because me and my wife were in a hospital dealing with a sickness, and the church could have gone away. But David's leadership and his prayers and his faith led us through that time. I believe God brought David into my life to teach me faith, even though I'd been a minister for 20 years at the time. I saw things happen that I, I just knew, I don't know that I could have believed for, but God did them. And it enriched my life, and it enriched us. In our first year, we were able to take David and release him with some leaders that he had brought with him from Florida, some friends. He left us Justin, not so sure about whether that was positive or not, but he left us Justin. And... Uh, they went and they started Center City Church in Uptown Charlotte. And can I tell you guys, they are knocking it out of the park. And we're so proud of what they're doing. And it's my privilege today to have David Dukeson come and share and lead us to God's Word. Would you give him a hand this morning? Welcome, David. God bless you. Well, man, I am so excited to be here. It was uh, like a trip down memory lane this morning. And like Mike said, I mean, I could sit here for the next like 30 minutes and just tell you guys stories of like, what was, but I won't, I won't do that to you guys. Um, I will say this before I jump in. Um, I just want to thank you guys for letting me be a part of this today. Um, your pastor is one of the most trusted people in my life. He's on my board at our church, and I just, I just trust him. Uh, I look to him. Um, last year, I, we were going through just a season, a tough season in ministry, and I, I called Mike, and I was sitting in the middle of Uptown Charlotte, and I said, I'm done. I'm done. I just can't, I can't do this anymore. And, um, and he just listened, and I always refer to Mike as my, uh, my piece of steel. He's just 
one of the best shepherds and most trustworthy men I've ever been around in my entire life. And he just listened to me complain and gripe and, and cry. And uh, after that conversation, I said, okay, fine, I'm not going to quit today. I may quit tomorrow, but I'm not going to quit today. Um, so, Mike, thank you for your leadership in my life. Um, God used the last seven years of uh, meeting Mike and Denise um, and then uh, starting Hope Church and, and being able to see a work start in the middle of Uptown Charlotte um, to just really humble me and break me. Um, I was the arrogant guy that Mike joked around about um, and still can be, but by God's grace, I believe that um, he still uses people that are way too sure of themselves to do some neat things. So um, I would like to introduce you guys to my kids. A lot of you guys don't know me, so these are my kids. Um, I'm never, ever allowed to show pictures of my wife. Um, she hates taking pictures. So um, if you guys could throw up the picture of my kids up there. Um, no? No pictures of the kids? Um, there's four of them, and they, uh, <laughs> they're 11, 10, 8, and 6. Um, Max, Mary, Jack, and Ben, those of you guys, the few that, uh, that would know me, um, they're all doing great, man. They are uh, Little League Baseball. I have three kids in three different age ranges of Little League Baseball. It's crazy, totally wild right now. So, um, so and, and my family brings greetings to you guys. Uh, my wife uh, wishes she could be here today. We're actually launching our youth ministry today uh, for the first time ever uh, down there, and she oversees all of that. So she's down in Uptown Charlotte. But uh, anyway, uh, I will say this, one last thing as, as an introduction. Uh, Justin... Uh, it's very, very, very good that you didn't let him uh, introduce me, but I will let you guys know that uh, Justin and I, in college, stole every roll of toilet paper on our campus. We moved furniture out of one room into another um, and stacked toilet paper ceiling, uh, floor to ceiling, and then we rolled our entire campus. Uh, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. There's Max, Mary, Jack, and Ben. Hey, look there. And we're big Gator fans, too. So anyway, that's the kids. If you guys know them, uh, they are just wonderful. I love them. But anyway, that, that's kind of some context of mine and Justin's life. I think we roped in about a dozen people on that one and led them into sin. So um, I still feel bad about that. Like to this day, I'm finishing my master's degree program at that same university right now, and I just hope they never, ever, ever find out it was me. Um, I'll blame Justin. So anyway, um, let's go ahead and pray, and I'm going to jump right in. Um, I believe that God's got some stuff for us this morning. So uh, Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity. I pray that everybody in the room this morning would choose to be active participant, not passive listeners. Uh, Lord, that, that we would be full of the joy and the hope that when we approach God's word, that it is full of life and meaning and that we can participate in this. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't sit back and just uh, listen for everybody else, but that we would lean in and, and, and really listen and digest for ourselves. I pray that there'd be maybe one or two things out of this entire message, out of all the words that come out of my mouth, maybe there's one thing that somebody needs to write down today and process and think about. Holy Spirit, we invite you to actively speak into our hearts. And as I'm speaking today, God, I pray that everybody would forget the words that come from me and hold on to the words that are from God. I pray that if there are some folks in the room this morning that are just navigating steps of faith right now, that they would feel loved and welcomed and that they would be able to see the beauty of Jesus through all of the uh, actions and activities of today. So, Father, we thank you and we trust you and we believe you. In Jesus' name, everybody said... 
Amen. Charles Dickens is one of the greatest authors of all times. He has this incredible work called A Tale of Two Cities, and this is the way that he starts what is uh, widely regarded as one of, if not the best openers to any book ever. And this is what it says, the, the first part of A Tale of Two Cities. It says, it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, and it was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. I literally have no idea what that means. The epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light, the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope and the winter of despair. We had everything before us and we had nothing before us. We are all going direct to heaven and we are all going direct the other way. And Charles Dickens begins to, 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 to launch into a tale of two cities by giving these incredible polar opposites. And the tension that is there, the best of times and the worst of times. If you guys are taking notes this morning, either physically on paper or on your phone, that's what I would call this message this morning, is the best of times and the worst of times. I'll be very honest with you guys. When I look back on my time here at Hope Church, I look back on that as the best of times, and I look back on that as the worst of times. It was during this season in 2008 when God called us out of Florida, we were at this huge church down in Florida doing ministry, and we made this thing called money. It was amazing. I got like this regular paycheck down in Florida, and then I got to spend money on whenever I wanted to. It was incredible, and that was before I had a whole lot of kids, and so then we had, when you made money and then you don't have kids, you had money to spend on a thing called yourself, which was awesome. Now I've got a lot of kids, and I don't ever spend any, I mean, I I don't spend money on myself, like, hardly ever now. But when God called us, he, I just remember, I remember this so distinctly. I remember before Hope Church had any members, and the only thing that, Hope, the only place that Hope existed was a glimmer in Pastor Mike and Denise's eye. That's it. And I remember getting a phone call from my dear friend, Doug Witherup, and he said, there's this guy up in North Carolina that's about to start a church. I know that you guys want to start your own church, but I just want you to consider meeting Mike. And I said, okay. I said, I'll, I'll meet Mike. And, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I'll meet him, but I'm not going to, you know, like, leave this church where we're making a bunch of money and go to not lead a church, you know, because God would never do that, you know. God, you know, God would never take me out of something that was really settled and secure and put me into something that I was still going to have to sit under somebody else's leadership and I was going to have to raise all the money to exist. And so I came up here and I remember so distinctly driving on I-85 and seeing Mallard Creek Church Road and something was born in my heart as I crossed over Mallard Creek Church Road. And it was hope. Uh, it was a vision that I saw in Pastor Mike's eyes that all of a sudden came alive in my heart. And it was, it was hope. It wasn't just hope church. I mean, Mike would agree with me on this. There's no center city church in heaven. There's no hope church in heaven. It's just the kingdom. What was birthing in my heart was that God wanted something in this community. And so then I remember I took a left off of, or I went whatever should have been left, but it seemed like a circle, um, Charlotte's weird, right? So then it just, it just kept, on, kept on getting weirder because I remember getting to the intersection of Mallard Creek Church Road and Mallard Creek Road, and I was just so confused. Like, why would they do that? You know, this is stupid, you know? 
And I remember when I hit that intersection, God just gripped my heart. And I remember calling Mike. I said, Mike, I see it, man. I see what you see. And we're in. We're in. And every time I go by a little Mexican restaurant over by the Concord Mills Mall, I forget what that's called, like Taqueria Angelada, something like that. <laughs> La Playa and Fuego Barista. And so um, every time I go by there, I think about that meeting that my wife and I had with Mike. And it was, we're in. We're going to come. And um, that launched us into something that I believe that a lot of you guys are in. Um, walking through seasons of life where you can say, man, this is an incredible, incredible season of life. And then 20 minutes later, something comes up, and it's one of the most difficult things that you could walk through. I just walked through something like that myself. I'm, I got to go to Seattle, Washington a couple months ago for my master's degree program, sat under some of the best teaching the world has to offer, um, some of the top theologians, uh, 10 days in a row of classes. And on the 10th day, I got a phone call saying that my mom needed me immediately. The best of times and the worst of times. Went from this incredible season to immediately getting a phone call to where I almost lost my mom. And 11 days in a row in the hospital. Best of times, worst of times. You see, and, and that's the tension of life, right? And I believe that Paul speaks to it in the book of Philippians, and we're going to look at that a little bit. Um, Philippians is an incredible book, um, and I just want to read this passage to you guys, and then we're going to dig in a little bit. But just to give a little bit of context to the book of Philippians, um, the Apostle Paul, who is one of my favorite biblical characters, is just charging through this region starting churches, but then looking back after he leaves those churches and encouraging them. And this is a book of encouragement to some churches that had been started, very similar in a lot of ways to what I'm doing today. That this is a church that God wants. This is a church that has purpose and vision for this community. You guys are full of vision for the thing that is coming, that, that God's about to do it just in the next couple of weeks here as you guys are moving to a new location and here I am, and I got to be a part of starting this church with, with Pastor Mike and Denise, and I get to come back and encourage you guys. So let's look at what the Apostle Paul was saying to this church that he helped start, and then he looks back, and he's encouraging them. He says this, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. If you guys are taking notes this morning, I even made it bold and yellow for you guys so that you, you will be able to see what I want to talk about today. Live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Paul says back in verse 27 that you must live as citizens of heaven. And that's what I want to dig into this morning. Because there's this thing called dual citizenship. Anybody in the room have dual citizenship by chance? Anybody? Yeah, okay, there we go. 
dual citizenship. And we're going to move into that in just a little bit. But we've all felt this tension that I described, right? Maybe if you guys are sitting there and you guys are sitting there as active participants in this message today, not listening for the person next to you, but listening for yourself, what would you guys say are the tensions that you live in? That you come here on a Sunday morning and you feel the beauty and the joy and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, that you're exploring matters of faith, that you're expressing your, your faith in Jesus. Maybe some of you guys are just kind of dipping your toes into faith and seeing what that might mean for you, but there's tension, right? Because we see brokenness all around us, but then you hear people like myself and Pastor Mike and Matt sing like a beautiful songbird, you know, like he does. I mean, he's got an unexpectedly high voice at times. I, I didn't expect that. <laughs> I didn't expect that. It's beautiful, all right? He's a great singer. Um, and I, sometimes I actually want to ask him to come and, like, during my nap time, just come and play. Like, you know, like, just, just you know, he's so peaceful, right? Like, I mean, just a peaceful spirit. Anyway, um, what was I talking about? Okay. The tension that we feel. Now, the, the, the key to approaching Scripture is to understand this was written to somebody else, but you learn from it, and I learn from it. Okay. That this was written to a group of people that were struggling with their faith. They were wrestling with their faith. And Paul wrote to them to encourage them. And the beauty of the scripture is that it's living and active. And so God can speak to you through what he was speaking to them. Okay? So what is your tension? What are the things that you're struggling with. I mean, let's get real personal because I don't know most of you, all right? What is the thing that you feel so sweet and so beautiful, but then you feel the tension of whether it be an old pattern of sin or things that, that you feel complacent in an area, and instead of moving forward, you feel stuck? Maybe there's some of you in the room this morning that you guys are really wrestling with what it means to be an active participant in this church, that you want to move forward, that you want to get behind the vision of this, but you feel complacent or stuck. This morning, I'm praying that God helps to shake us loose because in this uh, thing that we see here, Paul is saying to them, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in the manner that is worthy of the good news about Christ. So what it's saying, and I, I see this in the scripture so much, is that it's saying, yes, live as citizens of heaven. Live with the, the fullness of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. But that part where it says conducting yourselves, that's here, man. That's here and now. That's this part of life. And I'm telling you guys that if we can figure out what it means as brothers and sisters in Christ to live as citizens of heaven right here in Charlotte, there are going to be people that are impacted with the hope of Jesus because of your behaviors and because of your courage and because of your willingness to, to struggle through and keep moving forward with the things that God has called you to do. Above all, we must live as citizens of heaven. Eugene Peterson has this incredible uh, quote. In verse 29, uh, Paul says, For you've been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. So this is kind of like the here-on-earth moment. Eugene Peterson says this, There's far more to this life than trusting in Christ. There's also suffering for him. And the suffering is as much as a gift as the trusting. 
And so what I don't want to do is when we talk about these tensions, the back and forth, the best of times and the worst of times, is I don't want you guys to get into this pattern where you think to yourselves, man, I am trying so hard to push forward in my faith, and I'm trying so hard to invest into this church family, and I'm trying so hard, but man, life is hard. And there's realities, and there's family realities, relational realities, financial realities. And, and I don't want you guys to think that that, sh- that should be a surprise. Because we're always going to have this balancing act, this tension between the best of times, the worst of times here on, he- on earth. But what Paul is trying to give encouragement to is he's saying, understand the realities of what you have as a citizen of heaven so that you can conduct yourselves on earth in a way that is worthy of Jesus Christ. That is worthy of Jesus Christ. I remember this powerful, powerful moment when I was here at Hope. Uh, One of the most impacting moments of my entire life. Uh, I got to uh, the the privilege of learning what it meant to go from working at a megachurch to making $8.50 an hour working at Caribou Coffee over at Mallard Creek and Mallard Creek Church Road. Um, Somebody who was full of sin closed down that Caribou Coffee and they renamed it Cappuccino. I don't understand that. I went there this morning and had all these emotions of like, it looks the same, kind of smells the same, this coffee isn't nearly the same. So anyway, that's, that's a whole other side note. If you guys want to talk about coffee and stuff like that, I love coffee. We can do that afterwards, though. But somebody made a really bad decision there. Um, I'm glad it's still a coffee shop, but it's not Caribou. I met this woman that was there. Uh, I think she was a sophomore at UNC Charlotte at the time, and her name was Masha. Masha is a major part of the DNA of this church. Masha is one of the first people that we met here in Charlotte, and she was at Caribou Coffee. Now, Masha's just this beautiful, um, brilliant woman, and she is just, her eyes are just full of joy now. But when I met her, she was studying at UNC Charlotte, um, and she uh, just had this engaging and outgoing spirit about her, and I would notice, though, the more that we worked together, that her eyes, while she was laughing and totally outgoing all the time, that her eyes never looked quite settled. Um, I remember pulling in at 5 o'clock in the morning, which is god-awful, um, to go to work one day. It was still dark outside. And I remember pulling into Caribou Coffee and saying, praying, and I, I felt like the Lord really whispered something in my heart. Don't mention my name. This is like right when the church is starting, and I'm like having this little five o'clock in the morning moment with God, like, uh, you know that we're here to start a church, right? So I'm like, maybe I could beep it out, you know, like, all right, so we're here to talk about this church. It's a beep church, you know, and we're here to talk about beep, and you know, like, I'm like, how do you start a church without ever mentioning God, you know, and the one place that I'm there to meet people and to, to really try to, like, engage people and stuff like that. And so for eight months, I went into work, and I never, ever talked about Jesus. But what started happening is we started building this group of friends. Um, one of the people that got saved, one of the very first people that we met was Desiree, was the manager of that coffee shop, got saved right here. Absolutely amazing. Um, turns out that God didn't need me talking about him to show his love to people. Pretty cool, huh? 
After eight months, I had found out this about Masha. She's absolutely brilliant, um, was self, I don't even know how all this fits together. This is a burrito of confusion for me. Um, all the ingredients are confusing to me, all right, um, when you put them together. Jewish, atheist, agnostic, that doesn't even make sense, right? But these are the descriptions that I started to get from her, um, and Russian, all right? Jewish, Russian, agnostic, atheist, Russian. Um, and so I was, like, trying to figure this out, and I just decided to stop, you know, because I was like, I don't, I don't understand all that. And so what, what else I found out about Masha was that she was hurting on the inside. She was completely addicted to multiple drugs um, in multiple relationships with multiple people, um, was hurting and broken, heartbroken, and she came bursting through the doors of that coffee shop one morning. And we were transitioning from one shift to another. I was counting my money down. And she came in, and she's bawling, crying. Now, guys, I don't do well with crying girls. You know, if you're a crying girl, I love you. I don't know what to say to you because I get real, real uncomfortable in that moment. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just like, um, do you, do you want to talk? Do you want to talk to Pastor Mike? You know, like, you know, because he's like a piece of steel. You know, he can really, you know. And but I'm I I joke, but I'm not kidding. I I don't do well with crying girls, so I'm like m feeling mega awkward. So she comes in. She is like a you know like I mean this is a really pretty girl, ugly crying like you know like her face is all swollen, and um, and I said, what's up, <laughs> you know, and she goes. Like, and guys, I'm telling you, I feel it right now. I, I've never experienced this before or since. She looked at me and she said, I don't believe in your God, the God that I hadn't been mentioning. I don't believe in your God. I don't believe in your Jesus. And I don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. But whatever it is that you and all those people that you come in here with and that you're connected to, whatever that is, I need that because my life is falling apart. I'm broken. I'm hurting. And I need to be free of this. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my goodness. And so I have this opportunity that I hope that I'm living as a citizen of heaven with all of the sweetness and the goodness of Jesus living inside of me, but I've got a broken person sitting right in front of me. So all of a sudden, these two worlds are colliding. What do I do? And I said, well, Masha, um, I want you to understand that we just love you, and, and we're here with you. And I get real awkward talking to girls, like I really do. I even told her that, and I said, um, I'd love for you to just get together with my wife and just kind of hang out. And I'd love to tell you guys that at that moment, that all of a sudden heaven and earth collided, and all of a sudden Masha was just like, I accept Jesus, tell me about him. And that just wasn't the way it worked. The way that this happened and the way that the beauty of the gospel happens as we live in the tension of these two things, as you guys are walking through your life and you're experiencing the things that try and distract you from the beauty of the gospel while you're trying to live as a citizen of heaven right here, the way that a lot of times this happens is that people are just going to be drawn into your sphere, that world that you live in, and it is up to you to understand that you have all of the power and the beauty and the sweetness of heaven living inside of you, and you are the one that are going to have to conduct yourself in a way that draws people into the beauty and the sweetness and the power of God 
because you are the one that they're watching. They're not watching this. People outside of the faith, and even if you're here today, let's not, make you, let's not talk about you like you're not here. Like, you know, all those people that don't believe in Jesus, and you're like, I don't believe in Jesus. What's this jerk talking about? If you're here today, and you are not following Christ, and you haven't accepted him and felt the joy and the beauty of salvation, uh, probably what brought you into this place today is an invitation of somebody else. A Google search might have done it, but you may have started to look around, and maybe you saw some people. And you're not looking at this. People aren't looking at this. They're looking at you. And so as citizens of heaven, there's a few things that I believe that we need to think about and we need to talk about. I'll tell you the end of Masha's story in just a minute. What does it mean for us to live as citizens of heaven? If you're taking notes, I'll put all three up at the same time for you guys to look at, write down. And I just want to talk through these things. I believe that as citizens of heaven, that first and foremost, that we have peace from the Father. Philippians chapter 4, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, says this. It says that we have peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace that surpasses all understanding. The first two things here, that I'm going to talk about peace and closeness. God, God is going, or peace, uh, you know, peace and closeness. These things are things that God's doing inside of us, okay? Because he always starts with us first. But there's peace that surpasses all understanding. Let me put this in perspective for you. When we decided to do Hope Church at the end of 2007, I called Pastor Mike, and I said, hey, we're in. And just a few weeks later, we had one of the most devastating things that to this day, out of all the ups and downs of my life, I have never felt pain like I felt when my wife and I miscarried. Some of you guys have experienced that. Uh, tons of questions about the goodness and the sweetness of God. Tons of questions about his sovereignty and all this stuff. And I'm supposed to be pastoring. You know, I'm supposed to be the one with the answers. Well, here's the deal. We don't, we don't have the answers and we struggle just like you do. And I remember calling Pastor Mike, and he gave me one of the best moments that I've ever had in my walk of faith, because I was hurting, and I was still trying to lead people toward the sweetness and the beauty of God, when I was laying in my de bed depressed every day, not wanting to get up, all the blinds closed, wondering about God's goodness. And I remember I called Mike, and I said, hey, we're still coming, but I just need you to know we're a mess, we're hurting, and I don't get it. And he said something to me. He just listened a lot. And then he said something to me that I experienced the peace that Philippians 4 talks about. He said, David, I don't have any idea what to say to you right now. But I will tell you this. In my life, I've noticed that God gives grace in the portion that we need it. So I'm going to pray that he gives you some extra grace today. And in that moment, the truth of God in Pastor Mike, citizen of heaven. He's got the word inside of him. He's got the power of God inside of him. So do you. Was able to be delivered to me as I'm dealing with the brokenness of this side of heaven. That his dual citizenship, his ability to pull heaven down to earth and say, David, I know that God gives grace 
I felt the peace of God when it didn't make any sense. I should still be devastated about that. You want to you know something? Just for those of you guys that may have walked through this or something terrible, relationally, or maybe you've walked through divorce, or maybe you've walked through things, some of that pain just stays with you. But God gives you grace to navigate it. It's not that it's any easier that I lost a baby. But God gave me peace. And that's what we have. Okay? Second thing is closeness. In John 15, it talks about this. It says that you remain in me. This is Jesus. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. That's what it says. Beautiful imagery. And then it talks about vines and branches, and it gives this beautiful imagery of a vine. And it says that I am the vine, and you are the branch. And whatever you, whenever you stay in me, whenever you stay connected to me, then you will grow. And I believe that that's a promise for us as we're navigating the tension of life. When we navigate the best of times and the worst of times, I want you guys to remember this, that inside of us, we have the beauty and the sweetness of the Father, but we have to remain in Him to feel it in the midst of all that stuff where we need peace and we need closeness, we need all this stuff, but we have to be able to navigate those moments. And when we remain in Jesus, through time spent with Him, through prayers, through desperate prayers, through... Guys, I'm just going to be really honest with you. There was a moment that I was driving down the road up here. I apologize in advance for this mic because it's going to get a little colorful. Um, we went several months in a row where we ran out of money, like in a row. Um, turns out eight fifty an hour isn't supporting a family of six. And... Um, I remember I just broke one day. I ended up on a doctor's table with them putting all those sticky things that are like super cold and like weird. I mean, it only lasts a second, but it's like that was unexpectedly cold, all that gel. And, and I was 29 years old, and the doctor said to me, um, uh, he said, David, do you have any stress in your life? And I was like, I hate you, you know? I hate you. You don't know me, you know? And I was like, yes. And I had been telling my wife for a couple of days that I was having a pain down the center of my chest. And that I said, you know when people talk about those elephants that sit on your chest? I kind of have that. And I was on the phone with her. And I was kind of slumped over trying to compensate for it. And she said, don't come home. And I was like, that is exactly the worst thing to say right now. Like, <laughs> a theme, an entire theme of my life is how confusing women are. And I said, what do you mean don't come home? And she said, I've been telling you for days to go to the doctor. And she said, so don't come home. And if you don't go to the doctor today, go find somebody else to sleep with. And I, not like that, guys. <laughs> Jeez. Not that, not that salacious. Um, <laughs> that did sound bad, though, didn't it? So let's just move on, okay? Um, went to the doctor because I wanted to go home and you know, sleep in the same bed as my wife. <laughs> and, um, and he said, hey, he said, you're having all the heart, uh, symptoms of a heart attack. And I was like, I'm 29, and I can still play basketball real good. This doesn't make any sense. I can't play basketball real good, but I, think the li I like to think I can. And, um, and I left the doctor's office that day, and he said, he said you've got to find a way to alleviate some of the stress. 
and nothing changed. Like, all of a sudden, it wasn't like I found, like, tons of money to help my family. And so I drove out of the doctor's office, and I started praying. But my praying that day looked like me yelling and screaming and crying and cussing in the car at God. No, I'm not proud of that, but I snapped. I just completely snapped. And I said, you promised that you would take care of us. And where is the peace that you keep on telling me that is in spite of every circumstance? I'm yelling scriptures at God and saying, you promised me that there would be closeness, that if I remain in you, that you would remain in me and that you would provide everything, that even like the birds that are driving, flying around in the skies right now, I'm like pointing at birds and like yelling and screaming. Somebody pulled up next to me. This is not a joke. And they like looked at me and they're like, And I didn't care. I just kept on going. And I'm yelling, screaming, cursing, and like throwing scriptures in God's face. And I'm saying, you said that those birds in the air would be taken care of. How much more would your kids be taken care of? And I am not kidding. That day, I had no food in my refrigerator. I had no idea how we were going to make it. And all of a sudden, I just felt the peace and the closeness of the Father. In my own moment, it turned out that God was able to handle my potty mouth in that moment. You guys have been there, right? You can admit it. Mike's not going to take away your ability to come to church. <laughs> Some of y'all said a, said a dirty word this week, and that's just, just the way it is sometimes. Um, and I just said, God, I'm giving all of this to you. The tension that I'm in right now of what I see that you want us to do and the reality of my life right now I didn't say it like this, but it was a combination of the best of times and the worst of times. And in the worst, in the weakest moment to that point in my life in ministry, I said, God, take it. You can have it. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to learn how to remain in you, John 15. And you're going to provide for us. And we're going to see God do great things here. But you have to take this. And so uh, this was my prayer to God that day. Um, And guys, you can go ahead and come up as I talk about this last part that we're going to get to, number three. Um, I say that at at my church and people start, okay, there we go. It's like all the pretty music in the background that helps me be like, oh, this is beautiful. Okay, I guess that happens here too. There you go. Harmony, you have a beautiful voice, by the way. I love listening to you sing. Isn't she great? Harmony is wonderful. She's like, oh, and I'm like, oh. Um. I said, God, I want to know your peace and I want to know your closeness again. But I can't do this. And so, God, you can have it. And I said, I'm just going to trust you today and I'm going to trust you for tomorrow. And this is the way that this thing went down. I said, God, you promised to provide. And so I am going to be the most surprised person in the whole wide world if my family starves to death. Because you said you were going to provide. And I said, and I'm going to be the most surprised person in the whole wide world if we can't pay our bills next month because you said that you were going to provide. And I said, I'm working my butt off. I'm doing everything I know to do. And you said that you would provide. So I have done everything I can do. I'm laying down for you to do everything that you can do. We got a phone call the next day. And uh, funny how God works. A person called us from Florida. And all of a sudden, they said, David, uh, God put us on your heart. And um, we... I just sold a painting, and we're giving all the proceeds to you guys. And that day, in the mail, I got a $750 check. Here's the funny part. I didn't even know this person painted. (laughs) Let alone could sell a painting for $750. 
I was like, and, you know, I went and looked at their paintings, and I was like, it's like oil paintings of, like, trees. I'm like, who pays 700 I don't care. I'll take it, and I cash a check immediately. <laughs> and what I want you guys to know is that as we're in the tension of this, that as citizens of heaven, that God will give you peace, and he will give you closeness, even if you don't feel like it's available because he's God and he knows how to navigate things. And sometimes, sometimes he's allowing that suffering to happen, as it says in the scripture. He's allowing that suffering to happen. And it's going to help you to trust him more. So here's the last thing. And man, I, I felt this one so strong. And I'm just going to close out here. I believe the citizens of heaven have hope. And I don't just say that because... That's the name of your church. That's an easy one, right? But Revelation 21 proves this. That as citizens of heaven, when we're in the middle of all this tension of the best of times and the worst of times, and and we come to church, we feel the sweetness of God, or we open up the word of God and we feel the sweetness of Jesus. But then we realize that our marriage fell apart. You realize that you made a mistake that hurt a lot of other people. You realize that somebody did something that negatively impacted you, crushed you. Guys, you have to hold on to these messages. What is it for you? What is the tension for you? You realize that you can't stop the pattern of sin on your own. The things that hold you back from the beauty and the sweetness of Jesus. In Revelation 21, gives us hope because it gives us a picture of the end the end of the story and there's hope for the future in your life and there's hope for the future of this church because Jesus now guys I could stop there and just say because Jesus and have you guys try and figure that out for yourselves but I won't there's hope for the future because of Jesus And he has given us the ability to have relationship with him on this side of heaven, in the midst of the tension, in the midst of the best of times, in the midst of the worst of times. Heaven and earth come together through Jesus, through relationship with Jesus. And Revelation 21 says this, it's a promise to me and to you. And when I was sitting there yelling and screaming and cursing at God, when I began to get close to the Father again, I began to realize that Revelation 21 says That when Jesus returns and establishes heaven in Charlotte, there is no more pain. There is no more crying. There is no more sickness and shame. He's making all things new and he's making things beautiful. And guys, as dual citizens of heaven and earth, we have the beauty of both worlds. We have the ability to see Jesus for who he is. And we have the ability to give hope to everybody around us as we embrace hope for ourselves. We're going to take some time and we're going to come and we're going to have communion and we're going to remember Jesus. But let me give you, as Pastor Mike is getting ready to come, the end of the story about Masha. Mike gave me an opportunity to preach at Starlight Movie Theater. That place was nasty. That place was nasty. That was gross. It's expensive and nasty. Um, And I remember I preached on the agape love of God. 
unbreakable, unshakable love. I asked the question that morning, can we love each other with agape love? And I remember my answer at that time was, I have no idea. Because if you make me mad, I may get mad at you. But I remember describing the love that Jesus has for us. And about 12 rows up and to the left by about seven chairs, I saw Masha. She was crying her eyes out. This is two months after she came bursting through the doors. And I'm like, that girl cries a lot, you know? And that day, Masha gave her heart to Jesus. The best of times, the worst of times. Masha was delivered from addiction to drugs, alcohol, and nicotine in that moment. The power of God is real and active, and the hope that is available through Jesus lives in every one of you, every one of you that professes and lives out the beauty of the gospel. As you guys make this move, there are so many moshes that are out there that as you look outward, you're going to see them. But as citizens of heaven, we have peace and closeness first because we don't offer hope to people that we don't have ourselves. We offer hope because we've experienced hope. And today, I want us to remember that in the same way that Masha experienced the hope and the freedom of Jesus. There's an entire community out there that God is going to use this church. And let's get even, let's not do that macro thing. Let's get down. He's going to use you. So as citizens of heaven, understand there will be the best of times. There will be the worst of times. And in the midst of that, you have peace, closeness, and hope to embrace for yourself and then to give to this community. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you as a broken people um, in need of a Savior. Paul says that we are continually working out our salvation. And so for those that already know Christ as Savior, we come today and just like when we cut our grass, um, helps it to keep looking good, we need to work things out so that the weeds of our lives don't come up. And just like maintenance, this morning we come to the table and we say, Jesus, we need your peace. We need your closeness. Fill us with hope. For the person that may not know Jesus as Savior, he stands at the door and knocks and he says, I'm here. So as we pass this over to your pastor to be shepherded through this time. I pray that you would be an active participant in what this means for you today. Amen. Let's stand together this morning. Would you do that? I'm going I'm to put a, not a period because the story is not ended, but the one thing that David didn't fill in about Masha is Masha is serving as a missionary to Israel right now leading other people to Christ. You know what it, it says to me is this, and David, you just took me through the emotional ringer that I've tried to avoid, buddy. It was awesome. It's easy for all of us to look back and say, oh, we did this for this reason, or God used us here. 
but every time I read the gospel, it's a never-ending trajectory of ministry. It doesn't stop back here. It goes forward. And the calling, I believe, to all of us is not to just rehearse the past. I know we're going to do that a lot in these weeks ahead with the anniversary. But to say, God, what you began, the Scripture says, you're faithful to finish. For some of you this morning, I believe that was a message to you because I do know your stories. And for some, you live in the used to. You live in the past. And the hurts and things have maybe separated you from your dreams or separated you from your ministry. And can I tell you guys, the only reason it would be over is if you give up on it. It's not over because God, who began a good work in you, is faithful to complete that. And in this time of response this morning, we're going to pray. We're going to ask God just to allow us to respond to Him with honesty and transparency and truth. And we're going to ask God today to just open up our eyes to see the surroundings we have, what He's doing in us, and how He wants to work through us that others may know Him. So let's pray together. Father, God, I thank You for, God, this message of truth this morning. God, this Word that penetrates God. I thank You, Lord God, today that Father, as we read your word, God, we read the stories of great victories and great things, God, but your, your word is not a historical document. God, you show us those things to remind us that you are the same, God, yesterday, today, and forever, God. And Lord, you are progressively moving forward, God. God, you're drawing all men to yourself, oh God. And Lord, you're placing us in the lives of people that are far from you, that they may come near you, God, in us and know you through your son, Jesus. So today, God, I pray, Father, whatever, God, place we find ourselves in, God, whatever place we may feel stuck, God, as David was speaking of, or whatever challenge we face, or whatever struggle we're in, God, God, I pray that, Lord, you have used the transparency of one who's followed you, God, to remind us that, Lord, you love us, and, God, you have great things to do in us and through us, oh, God. And, Lord, you are surely not done with a single one of us, God, in this room today or listening, God, on podcast. So, Lord, I ask you in this time of response, God, as we come to the, to the table, the fellowship, Lord, the Lord's Supper, God, that we are reminded, Lord God, that it reminds us of your sufficiency, God. It reminds us of your grace. It reminds us of your power, God. That, Lord, through an event that we did not get to witness, God, the death of your son Jesus and his resurrection, God, that we find life. And God, we find hope and we find power, God. God, because by his wounds, Lord, we are healed. God, as we take the bread, we remember, God, he was broken for us. God, that brokenness in his part leads to wholeness in ours. God, I pray we do not make the sacred common. God, I pray we don't, God, just get into a routine of experience, God. But Lord, let it become life today to us. And I encourage you, if you have brokenness today, if you're walking through something, when you take that bread, you just take it to the Lord and say, God, you said, Lord, I will be made whole. I will be made complete in you. And by faith, I'm standing on that. And Lord, you remind us with the, the juice, God, that, Lord, it's through the blood of Jesus we're saved, not of any good work of our own, God, not of any goodness in us. While we are yet sinners, enemies of the cross, Christ died for us. Lord, I pray today, God, Lord, there's one that may be far from you. And God, Lord, through relationships and prayers, God, they're coming towards you, God. I pray today, Father, they will remember and recognize that, Lord, your love for them 
goes beyond anything they can ever think or act or do for you, God. You love them because they are your own. You created them with purpose and meaning and value. And God, you want to reconcile them to yourself, oh God, that sin is separated. And God, you've provided the solution. God, when we dip that bread in the juice, let us be reminded, God, it is by grace we are saved through faith, not of works that any one of us should boast. God, it's all about you, and it's all for your glory. So, Father, I pray in these closing moments, God, as we allow a song to minister to us and we, Lord, ponder how to act on your word today, God. Lord, let us boldly respond, God, in a way that says, God, our eyes are on you, our faith is in you, our hope is in you. So, Father, I pray this morning, help us in Christ's name. Let us, let this song the musicians are going to bring, let it speak to our hearts. Then let's move out from where we are and let's answer those, those two questions we ask every Sunday at Hope. What's God saying to you? And what do you believe he wants you to do about that today? God bless you.